You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So if you were here two weeks ago, you're able to hear about some of my experiences before heart surgery, um, right after heart surgery, and then a couple weeks after heart surgery. And if you remember it, I told you that I was going to share something about being in the recovery room right as I woke up. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. Here we go. So most of you, not all of you, I see some younger people in the audience this morning, have experienced anesthesia. Raise your hand if you've ever been put under. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of unhealthy stuff going on, right? So usually, pretty easy process. And it's always a strange deal because usually one of the nurses or the anesthesiologist will say something like, this might sting a little bit, and then the next thing you know, you're waking up and it's all over. The procedure's over or the surgery's over. Pretty sm- usually a pretty smooth deal. It always has been for me, but not this time. You see, this time when I woke up, no one prepared me for the possibility that I would still have a breathing tube down my throat. Now, if you've ever had a breathing tube down your throat, a ventilator tube, and were conscious, there's only one thing you want to do. What do you think that is? Pull it out. And that's exactly what I tried to do. With all of the energy in my, in my being, I tried to pull that tube out. How do you think that went? Not very well. There were two of the the medical staff who were in charge of holding my arms down. And after a while, I discovered that I wasn't going to win this battle. And until I started breathing on my own, that tube was going to stay down my throat. So guess what I did? I went back to sleep. And then I would wake up. And then I would go back to sleep. And I remember one of the nurses, just clear as can be. She kept saying, wake up, wake up, don't fall asleep. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, I started breathing on my own, I didn't fall asleep, and they finally pulled that tube out. Yes, it felt like an eternity, and I I understand that that's an exaggeration, but in our scripture that we just got done listening to this morning, Jesus is talking about eternity. And eternity is serious business. The most serious business. Our eternal lives in the kingdom of God are at stake, don't you know? 
It's why Jesus says emphatically in our gospel this morning, keep awake, stay awake. Mark 12, beginning at verse 32, Jesus said, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Did you hear that? Keep awake. But what exactly is Jesus telling his disciples to keep awake for? What event? Anybody? The second coming. Not the first advent, the second advent. Jesus' return in all his glory. Well, to help the disciples understand this a little bit better, he tells them a parable, so we continue. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake! Now you're awake. Some of you are already nodding off, just so you know. I can see everybody. Okay, so the master comes back, right? The doorkeeper had one responsibility, stay awake, guard the door, and he fell asleep. Not a big deal, he probably got a little bit of chewing out. Like, don't do that again. Not a big deal. But it is a big deal when our master returns. And who is our master? Jesus. Our master Jesus, when he returns, eternity becomes a reality in the blink of an eye. To be quite frank, there are only two kinds of eternity, right? An eternity with God or an eternity not being in the presence of God. So last Monday morning at our Monday morning's men's group's Bible study, we looked at last week's gospel lesson, which was Matthew 25, and it's a real reality check. Now, you might remember this parable from Matthew 25. It's about separating and separating the sheep from the goats. And Jesus was explaining that this will take place when he returns again. So be ready, right? When he returns in all his glory, the same glory that we will hear about on Christmas Eve, when after 400 years of God being silent, he returns and he communicates that he is back in all his power and his glory to the most unlikeliest of people. Who was that? The shepherds watching their field at night. 
You know we're going to read it on Christmas Eve, Luke chapter 2. The same version that, that Linus gives in, in the Charlie Brown's Christmas, right? He walks on the stage and has his blankie. Did you ever notice that he drops his blankie when he tells the story? It's the only time that Linus ever drops his blankie, always is holding his blankie. So why did he drop his blankie? Because he doesn't need it anymore. Jesus is here. I digress. Let's keep moving. So let's read the version, the King James Version of Luke 2 together this morning. We don't have to wait till Christmas Eve. Join me. Here we go. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. But you see, that message of hope that the angels heard, it's the same message of hope that we have here, sitting here today. So my question, my big question today is this. Are you taking the hope seriously, or are you sleeping? You see, on the last day, the Lord the day of the Lord, God's glory will return, and His glory will, re will return with great might. Are you ready for that day? Are you preparing for that day in, in your words and your actions? How you are ministering to others, how you are sharing God's gospel to others. Are you ready for that day? So going back just a little bit to that Matthew 25 gospel lesson from last week and, and how we were talking about it a Bible study. Remember, there are only two eternities. Eternity with God or eternity being separated from God. And on the last day when Jesus returns, the, resur the resurrection of the dead is going to occur that Jesus tells us about in Matthew 25. The sheep and the goats will be separated. Believers, unbelievers. So I asked the Monday men's group, and there are a couple farmers in the group, why did Jesus use sheep and goats in this parable when he's talking about the last day and the separation? Well, it's kind of simple. Well, they said, well, sheep follow their master. Goats do anything they want to do. 
Makes sense, doesn't it? For some reason, the church has, tradi has traditionally chosen to stay away from this reality of separation on the last day. This uncomfortable truth. The uncomfortable truth that on the last day there will be real separation between believers and unbelievers. We tend to focus as Christians on, on being in heaven when we take our last breath, which is comforting, which is a promise. But we tend to not focus so much on that last promise, the promise that Jesus will come again to separate, to judge in all his power and all his glory. You see, if we're not careful, we can go to sleep in our faith, go to sleep in our faith lives. It's easier just to go to sleep, don't you know? Well, then the last promise of Jesus may be a very rude awakening. Much worse than waking up with the tube in your throat. I want to show you a picture this morning. Does anyone know what that is? Besides Pastor Gerber? It's a coal miner's canary cage. Coal miners all the way through the 20th century, they used a, a canary cage. And they, they weren't bringing their pet canaries into the coal mines with them. There was a purpose. These canaries would come in, in there, they would, open, they would open that front little lid with the mesh, wire, wire mesh, so that air could get in there, okay? And so what they would really pay attention to is if, if these undetectable, dangerous gases that no one could realize with a human nose, if they were present, guess what would happen to the canary? It'd pass out. So you, you see that little, that little thing on top that looks like a little league baseball bat? What do you think that is? It's an oxygen tank. So as soon as those little canaries would fade out and go to sleep, they'd turn on the oxygen, and usually, it is thought, they would revive. We'll say they always revive this morning. You see, brothers and sisters, Satan isn't obvious either, is he? Satan is the great deceiver. He's the father of lies. His game involves winning as many souls as he can so that we are not with Jesus in the end. Satan is the odorless, undetectable gas in our lives. 
What seems safe can be dangerous. What seems harmless can lead to death. So many things in our lives quietly get in the way of our faith lives, don't they? God knew this would be the case. That's why the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods but me. What does this mean? We are to fear and love and trust God above all things. Luther understood this very well. He not only begins his first explanation, but he begins all of the other nine explanations the same exact way. We are to fear, love, and trust God so that. So that? Yes, so that, so that we don't fall asleep in our faith. You see, if we aren't careful, we can end up being put to sleep by Satan's odorless, undetectable deceptions. He wants us to fall asleep on our faith. Give in to temptation. Listen and believe false teachers who have no fear of the Lord. Listen and believe the world's lies and not God's living, breathing word. You see, Satan tells us what he wants us to hear. The true church that Jesus established, it tells us what we need to hear. Today's lies and deceptions, well, they surround us like never before. They're at our very fingertips, right? Is everything true on here? Takes us down a pretty dark path sometimes, doesn't it? Lies and deception. It's in our education system. It's in businesses. Lies and deceptions in our governments. I see a lot of people nodding their heads. But you do realize that lies and deceptions are even in the church. But before you nod your heads too much, realize this. I'm looking at a bunch of sinners. We're not perfect, are we? It's easy to point at the unperfect people, the sinners of the world, the unbelievers. But we were born into sin. Sin is sin. We all fall short of the glory of God through our sin. There are going to be times, no matter how hard we try, that we will fall asleep in our faith lives because we're sinful. And sometimes we don't resist the world's temptations, Satan's temptations. You see, listening to Jesus brings a healthy dose of fear, but more importantly, it brings hope. There's a reason that Jesus so often described the last day in the Gospels. Falling asleep in our faith lives can be dangerous. If we fail to pay attention to the return of Christ, 
we could actually lose our faith. Let me say that again. We could actually lose our faith. As Lutherans, we don't believe once saved, always saved. Satan has one goal, to win our souls so that we don't believe and on the last day we will be separated from God. If we sleep in our faith lives, we just could awaken to an uncomfortable truth, an uncomfortable reality. We may awaken to the trumpets from heaven and Jesus returning in all his glory, but if we're sleeping, it could be too late. If the hope of Christ's return fades, we can lose out on the greatest blessing. His greatest promise, everlasting life in his kingdom, with him. His return is something to look forward to, not to fear. He is with us now in his promises, but when he returns to us physically, it's going to be a whole new ball game. Physical Jesus ascended to heaven. Physical Jesus will come again on the last day to judge the living and the dead. So as we long for him to return, we don't sleep in our faith. We continue to read his word. We continue to worship him. We continue to receive his, his very body and, and, and his very blood that strengthens and preserves our faith. Jesus' words to us today are both a warning and a promise. His words bring us fear, but most importantly, hope. Hope in God who loves us so much, who loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into this broken world to save you from your sin. Now that's a hope. A hope that enriches us, a hope that sanctifies us, a hope that safeguards us from the devil in all of his ways. We don't need to fear God's judgment. We can look forward to God's judgment. We can trust the Lord and live in his hope. A hope he desires for you and me, but a hope we can fall away from if we fall asleep. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I leave you with this message today. Wake up! Don't fall asleep. Amen.